Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash Potters in Control, Valentine's Day week special. So... On Monday, we got out, which means today the three of us are going to be playing one of our favourite childhood games, Spin the Bottle. But that's after the show. First, we're indulging in a spot of hide-and-seek with some newlyweds from 2019. We're coming, ready or not. I can't believe that in half an hour, I will be a part of the Ladomus Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion, we prefer Dominion. I honestly can't wait to be a part of your family. There's just one more thing. And then you are officially part of the family. So at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere we then try to find you so there's no way for me to win right you can stay hidden till dawn <laughs> no thank you good luck well have a winner at the end of the show but which film will it be get out or ready or not let's find out it's clash of the titles release the kraken hello clash butters I forgot to write a quote for the start of the show. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> it would not be all right if I had more notes on this particular film, but I don't. <laughs> it's not an easy film to write notes on. Chris and I were just discussing while you were using the lavatory or other, and we were trying to decide just why. What to say? Why there was not a lot, not a lot of notes to make on this movie. You got a lot of notes. I've got a normal amount of notes, normal. which is to say not that many. You never make many notes, <laughs> no. though, do you? No, you're very, very sparse in your note making. Yeah. I had. 11 pages on Get Out and 7 on Ready On. Oh, that's still good. All right, fine. Well, there's plenty to talk about. So, February Fanny continues. Clash is in control. There is still time, as we established on Monday's episode, for you to email in a suggestion for a Clash. It's show at clashpod.com. Tell us the movies that you would like clashed, what connects them, and why you want them done. Also, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, would you be kind enough to do that? If you do, uh, that'd be nice. If you give us a rating, that'd be even nicer. And if you give us a review, that would be 
be nicer still. And if you do give us a review, it might be read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. This comes from Reese Seaborn, who says, My favourite podcast to listen to. Insightful, hilarious, and like listening to my friends chat about films. Found it at the start of the pandemic, and it certainly helped me through. Everyone brings something to the pod, but let's face it, Vicky is by far the best part. <laughs> Phenomenal how someone can be so intelligently articulate about film and also come up with the idea Mark Addy might actually have inverted himself. <laughs> Keep up the great work, five stars. It's not just Mark Eddy, it's all men. What? You're doubling down. You're doubling down. Yeah, because... She... Did you know what? It no, but it's... no. It's... Look, it's... I mean, actually, this would be a good show to do it on because we don't have that much on ready or not. But it's a good half hour if we go down this we rabbit hole. We did a half hour on it that day. I, but I didn't know it was all men. I thought it was specific to Mark Addy. No, because I watched it at the age I was. I thought it was something that happened to all men. And I thought, oh, I hope that doesn't ever happen when I'm in bed with a man, which was like a projection because I was quite young at the time. Mm. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that just be awful that you all grown up and sexy times, but then he can just turn to you and say, not tonight, because it's gone in. <laughs> and that's sad. If, he, if you are uh, new to the podcast, uh, first of all, um, apologies. Uh, and secondly, uh, you will need to go back to the full Monty episode to yep. really understand the genesis of this. Um, Maybe Can I just pause it, it just for a second? If it is that that's what the movie meant, no, because we have covered exactly why that's not I, what the movie meant. But does it have currency? <laughs> Within the people that listen to the show, because there's a grain of suspicion of truth or He's, fear. I mean, or... Reese has literally called you an idiot there for saying that. <laughs> so I would say no. I mean, I don't know, but maybe that's why it's hit a, a nerve because people are like, I I fear that too because it could it could no happen. people people fear you they're worried about you because no one has ever thought that he literally says I'm all in yeah. to this relation no. emotionally I'm all in that's and, the and, only and, thing and Vicky, he can no, mean no. Vicky we need to get this nail done before you have the chat with your sons <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them growing up thinking their penis yeah. is going to invert what can happen boys that's such a good is... point God I never thought. It's all fun and games, and it's just me. <laughs> but I could ruin three lives. You'd, you'd be terrified for the rest of your life. <laughs> no. When's it going to happen? I'll tell you what, that's good. Because I got told some lies about how easy it is to get pregnant when I was younger. So, frankly, fine. Is that how come you've got three kids? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, lads. <laughs> Should we hit the film? I was told, I was told absolute bullshit. All right. do, you want, do you want to tell us what you were told? What? Come on. No, Spit she it just, out. She wouldn't. This is the thing that's quite crafty of her. She wouldn't elaborate. She capitalised on the general embarrassment of the situation to say, I know what you're up to, kind of thing. I was like, oh my God. She's like, let me just tell you that women in this family get pregnant very easily. You were an accident, kind of thing. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, mom. But she's like, basically, a condom won't work. So I was like, right, she's better off just not doing it at all. And right. so that put the fear of God into me for a long time. And I thought I would get pregnant more or less straight away. And I didn't. Okay. Condoms do work. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all it was. But it's clever so, by so its, the, the, its brevity is what's so clever about it. Right. She didn't tell big like make something up that's bananas. Mm. She just uh, she just didn't say she didn't say enough, did she? Uh. And then I was like, I'm not gonna be like, what do you mean, Mum? Because I was mortified. So Okay, great. All right. I feel we're caught up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, what lies did your mum tell to you? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a new show. Uh, 
Okay, but the bottom line is use condoms. Uh, well, if you want. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is, that's a different conversation. But, you know, it, there's lots of methods of birth control. Mm. You know, you don't have to use a condom. Come on, gang. I feel like I put you on the spot with that. Yeah, you did uh, a bit. We're, we're, we're six <laughs> minutes in. Come I, on. I know it, knowing you, you're sort of like, well, let me sort of, let me, let me lay everything yeah. out. Yes. <laughs> for you um, as, as, a, as a, a reasonable possibility for, for what might suit your own body. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yes, yeah. and preference, mm. and under, and understanding of the risks that are involved or not involved. You know, it's not funny anymore. Can we talk about the film? <laughs> yeah, that is fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm all in. Great. <laughs> uh, so, but where did I get to? Sorry, I got very distracted. Uh, right then, let's crack on with ready or not. On <laughs> yeah. Monday, uh, Vicky did get out, which means today, hide as you might, Chris Tilly will find you. Chris takes on a journey. Well, first, I want to say thank you to Sarah in Madrid for <laughs> suggesting these films. Uh, meet the parents, being the connection, and uh, this is ready or not. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I think that's the message at the heart of Ready or Not, where one selfish woman deems her life to be worth more than a family who have been cursed by their ancestors. Don't rich people deserve to be happy? Don't multi-multi-millionaires deserve to find love and make a union? Grace doesn't think so, and that's why these kindly folk are giving her a statistical chance, then a sporting chance, and then, for the greater good, they are coming for her, Ready or Not. So, when did you first see Radio Not? Alex, was it when I told you to a few months ago, and Vicky, was it this week? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah, Chris told me to watch it. It completely passed me by, this movie, and Chris told me to watch it uh, about a year ago, and I did, you and did. I loved it. Yeah, and I was part of that conversation. I would say it was adjacent to that conversation, and I thought, I won't, because I'll wait until we do it on the podcast. Mm. And so I did wait. Mm. Mm. And it's something we've been thinking about doing this pair for a while, and so thank God uh, Sarah uh, sent it in. Mm. It's not funny uh, anymore. I <laughs> Did. So I knew about these guys, Radio Silence, who are, are the collective who made this movie. They did a horror portmanteau anthology movie called Southbound, and they did they did one of the VHS movies. Oh. So I was a fan of their stuff already. They're great, the VHS compilations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was interested in what they were going to do next. Uh, they made this feature, and then I ended up working on it, kind of, because... I was asked to write taglines for the poster Were and the you? trailer. Yeah. For ready or not? What yeah, did you come up with? I, mean, I need to flag from an HR perspective. There's a conflict of interest. <laughs> carry on. If you, you should have told us before. Um, well, you guys helped me out with it. So, oh, did we? <laughs> yeah, this is a while ago now. Did we get paid? Did we get paid? Yeah. No, what? no, you didn't. But uh, we sat in the pub and talked about it. Okay. So, yeah, I had to go to an office where I watched the trailer twice before it was released. And had to go away and come up with some taglines. Nice. So um, wait, 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 wait. I want to see if uh, the taglines on uh, one of my favourite websites, IMDb, are any of the work. Well, one of the you ones did. I did ended up getting used on an American trailer or an American poster. So I said, "Wait, hang on. The game begins." Was that you? No. Okay. How about a killer game of hide and seek? No, I would never have suggested okay. that. That's rubbish. <laughs> okay. They're coming. Again, these are all on IMDb. I'm not making <laughs> no, this did, shit up. I, I spoke to him about that because it's their coming, ready or not. I said, "Is that too obvious?" And he said, "Yes." Okay. How about this? In-laws can be murder. That was mine. Really? I wrote families it's the can best one as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. I wrote families can be murder, and they changed it to in-laws can be murder. So 
Um, families is better. Because mm-hmm. also families is a game. So. Mm-hmm. Is that why you did that? But also I didn't know. I, they probably did it because the last line yeah. of the film is in-laws. And so maybe that's why they yeah, changed it to in-laws. It's also one of the weakest lines in the film. We'll get Agreed. to that. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you some of the ones I suggested. Happy Never After. The Honeymoon Period is Over. Murder by Marriage. Is He Worth Dying For? Uh, kill the Things You Love. Uh, it's Time to Pray. P-R-E-Y. It doesn't quite work. Uh, meet, the par- <laughs> meet the Parents from Hell. Uh, the Family That Slays Together Stays Together. <laughs> Let's remember the good times. <laughs> Families can be murder. Evil wed, like evil dead. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of long those lines. So, yeah, so I was, I loved that trailer, so I was very excited to watch it, and I watched it at a preview screen. You screening. get paid for that tagline. Yeah, well, I got, I got paid, paid for the work. Right. Uh, even if they hadn't used one of my taglines, I would have got paid. Wow. Because mm. he's that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what I did realise is not only is it a great movie, uh, a bit like Get Out. It's a great audience movie. This is a proper, proper crowd pleaser. It's mm. got really big, fun moments that I'm so glad I got to watch it like that. So behind the scenes of this movie, there is not a lot. It's one of those stories where we wrote a film and we made a film. Great. Um, I have one sentence for this section. It's a good sentence, but it is one sentence. I want to know if you cover it. So it's written on spec by uh, Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy. They like stories about Faustian bargains and they wanted to see how a sceptical uh, modern day family might feel about such a pact. So that's where the idea came from. And it was an open directing assignment. So it was sent out to a lot of the genre directors in Hollywood, including the Radio Silence guys. Um, and they pitched and they were turned down. Uh, they didn't like the pitch, but uh, the guys said it's the first time they've ever requested another meeting. And the producer said it's the first time we've said yes to another meeting. And they came in and nailed their second pitch. So uh, they got the gig. And radio, I should say their names, Radio Sciences, Tyler Gillette, Matt Bettolini-Olpin and Chad Villella. So uh, the tricky thing was getting the tone right. Um, and this is from an interview with comicbook.com. Uh, Matt says, Our take from day one was we didn't want this to be goofy. We didn't want it to be silly. We towed the line a bit when we get close to some campy stuff with Aunt Helene. And we were very aware of that. The Helene character is as far as we can go on that end. And then the Adam Brody character grounds us on the other end for the family. And I, was, I nearly said that on Monday's episode. Like, were you talking about Daniel Kaluuya <laughs> grounding it? I think Adam Brody does his best to ground stuff here. His character is experiencing real emotions mm. in this film. Um, and then, of course, Samara grounds her story throughout. At the end of the day, it all came down to just the grounding of the characters and making sure it all felt real and very lived in and very natural. And in the shooting in the edit, we spent a lot of time walking the line. So what they ended up doing was they cut a lot of the jokes out of the script and then in the edit, they cut a lot of the jokes out of the film. Mm. So this was a much funnier film, I think, initially. But... I think that the feeling was when they were trying for a joke, it didn't work. It had to be a little more natural than mm. that. I'm a big Adam Brody fan. I, I really, I used to love him in the OC. I used to dress a bit like him when I was on MTV, and people used to go, oh, "You like Adam Brody?" I was like, "Well, then I like Adam Brody." <laughs> he once said, "We once had remember Rachel Bilson, yeah. who was on the OC with him. Mm-hmm. We once had her on my breakfast show, Ouch. my radio show. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> and." Uh, and I was, my friend was talking about Adam Brody beforehand, and I was like, "Yeah, well, obviously they used to be together. She's coming on as a guest. Don't mention him. What did he do? The first day, my co-host. She walks in the room. How's Adam Brody? <laughs> she was like, "What? Uh, I don't really see him anymore." Awful interview after that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Samara Weaving is obviously the lead. Uh, she was offered the role, and she did not want to do it because she'd done so much horror. Have you seen the Babysitter with her in? 
That's very good. She's good in every every horror film I've seen her, and she's been brilliant. Everyone told her, "Don't be so stupid. This is you being an idiot to miss out on this one." So she said yes. I thank God she did. Um, and the only other thing I read that I thought that sounds terrible is that um, a week before they started principal photography, they had to lose ten pages from the script for budgetary and scheduling reasons, <laughs> and they had one evening to cut the ten pages out. Can you imagine, like? That just seems like an impossible task when you're that close to shooting. It would be very sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a bit nervy because it's like if they can ask us that, they can ask us anything. Sure, <laughs> sure. But they did it. And I feel like a lot of it came from the ending, which we'll get to. As, as you said on Monday, I think the ending of this film changed. Mm. I don't have a huge amount of detail on what it was like before, apart from one specific thing. But maybe you can jump in. Yeah, there. no, it's, it's just the one big difference. Sure. Yeah. OK. So let's talk about the movie. Uh, we're starting with the... Oh, pro- wait. Alex, did you not get to say your thing? No, I've got my one thing. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Please uh, do. Have the, the, have the floor. I <laughs> put my hand up. <laughs> I'm a good boy. Uh, the, uh, the house. The mansion. Oh, yes. I was going to get to that. Oh. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Did you recognise it? She might not if she hasn't seen the film. Okay. No. <laughs> it's Billy Madison's house from the Adam Sandler movie, Billy Madison. Oh, I haven't seen Billy Madison. Oh, okay. <laughs> the interiors, however. Yeah were from Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes more sense. It's the X-Men mansion. Yeah. yeah. I will say I love this house. Yeah. I love the aesthetics. I love the what they created with the, the glow, the, the polished wood, the candles. It's got this warmth, hasn't it? And I think it feels like old money. It yeah. feels like you're walking into old money. It's terrifying. It's a scary house. It's dark mahogany panelling oh, everywhere. I think it looks gorgeous. I'd I love to go think... to a party there. Yeah, I would. I feel like you're projecting on that because there's a lot of murders happening. Maybe. But we'd have a good night there. You know, you, you, it'd be fun for a bit and then you'd go, I'm going to get the dumb waiter and then an accident would happen. And, you know. I don't I'm... think dumb waiters do that in real life, what, what you see in this film. <laughs> do you not? But we will get to it because we're going to start with the prologue and the camera scans over a bunch of board games. Uh, La Belle's Gambit, Family Ritual, Secret Council, all got double meanings. Mm. Uh, All a bit of foreshadowing there. Um, And then we have a scene, there's some kids running around the house sort of in a panic. Their dad's with a gun. We learn their names. Daniel's the older brother. Alex is the younger brother. Uh, Daniel puts Alex in a cupboard. Uh, and then a man it begs Daniel to help him. They're trying to kill me, he says. Uh, but rather than help him, Daniel tells everyone where the man is. And so men in masks fire arrow into him and drag him away. And there's a woman sort of screaming and crying. We'll learn later that's Aunt Helene. Mm. And this is her husband being murdered. Yeah, this changes her a bit, doesn't it? It this does. Ex- this experience. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. And it's going to be fun when she finally reveals this. And you sort of, I don't know, it gives her character, who is ridiculous, yeah. a bit more. Uh, and then uh, the mum says, Daniel, I'm so proud of you. And the sort of door gets shut. And it made me think of the Godfather sort of mm-hmm. shutting them out. And that's our prologue, which sets the scene nicely. And then we're... In fact, both these movies have really good prologues, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And so it's 30 years later and it is Grace's wedding day. We're at this the beautiful Billy Madison house and uh, Grace is saying her vows in the, in the mirror. She's practising. We learn that she's marrying into Le, the Ledomas family who are richer than God. But although they're rich, I don't really get a sense that they're doing anything good with their money. Yeah. Yeah, as they seems, might be able to. It seems quite insular, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it feels like they're bad rich people. Yeah, 
I don't like the fact that they're Ladomas and it's Labelle as well. I found that a little bit confusing. That was too much for my brain. Is there a reason that they had two Le Oh, things? good point. No, I didn't notice All that. All right. It was just no. me getting confused when I was watching the Fair film. Fair enough. Oh, you don't like it when characters have the same first letter of their name either, do you? That's me. I don't either. Oh, I it but it makes it easier to write when you're writing the script because when you put the first letter in, <laughs> the name comes up. It's mm. done it half for you. Yeah, yeah that's true. That true. Just, that's so nice that's nice. how you cut 10 pages is... You've got no time. Just make everyone's name start with L. Mm. And we meet Daniel and Alex. So Alex is the groom, played by Mark O'Brien. And uh, Daniel is the elder brother, uh, played by Adam Brody. And so Alex, you know, there's some fear about whether the family's going to accept Grace. And Alex is being the good guy, saying, I don't care what they think. And then Daniel is jokingly saying, it's not too late to flee. Uh, you don't belong in this family. Um <laughs> He's a bit drunk. He's drunk from the start in this film. Mm. And uh, a bit like, get out, there's some foreshadowing here. I mean, he's telling the truth, even though it seems like a joke at this point. And we have the wedding ceremony, uh, where we do see Aunt Helene. <laughs> Thoughts about Aunt Helene? Uh, what do you think of her look? I love her look. Very strong look. Mm. Very, very strong. I can see you going for that look. Thank you. In, uh, in a few years, yeah. maybe more. I'd, no, like, I'd like to grow into that. Mm. I've just stopped eating entirely, cut all my hair off. Same attitude, I guess. Mm. Just And you'd just be really hostile. Was she noticeably thin? She looks like it. Yeah, she's just very angular. Mm. And I'm not yeah. naturally angular. I would need to start and, myself. And the hair's that. sort of puffed up in sort of a shock, a shock <laughs> yeah. spike. And I think it's sort of, sort of grey blonde, but she's wearing purple, so she really sticks out. Yeah. And, 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 they, and we hear her saying that they, she's trying to figure out if she's a gold-digging whore. Yeah. So it's all quite extreme. And they were saying with her, like they asked her to sort of do the normal version and then do the extreme version and then we'd try the extreme makeup and the extreme hair and clothes. And they ended up, they wanted options and they ended up every time going for the most extreme take she did because it just about worked. It, and they're right. It, she does, she's the character that sort of pushes it maybe almost beyond believability. Yeah. But... It's it's fine, and she's so entertaining. Yeah. I think I think you sort of go with it. Uh, and it's their wedding night. Uh, Aunt Elaine appears in the room and <laughs> says, "You'll have to hide better than that." <laughs> Wonder why she's saying that. But this tells us that there's these secret doors and there's servants' quarters, and so this house is full of passages and, and escape places. And uh, uh, she's told that at midnight, Grace has to play a game. Um, something they do when someone new joins the family. You draw a card. And it's part of the initiation. They made money in games. And so this is part of what they do uh, to become an official part of the family. Although um, we hear dad say to, um, what's he called? Alex, uh, if she pulls that card, are you prepared to do what's necessary? Which seems ominous. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ominousness at this point in the movie. It's mm. good. It's good. It's really, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I like the mystery at this point. Sure. Uh, we meet mum, uh, who's played by Annie McDowell in her first ever horror film. Um, and she seems a bit troubled. She's very concerned with Alex. She mm -hmm. wants him back in the fold. We don't know why, but there's obviously been some kind of disconnect within the family. Mm. Alex has disappeared and now he's shown up with this girl. Did we ever find out exactly why he left the family? We do. Oh, okay. We do. Do you want to know now? Yeah, I would or... actually. Yeah, well, help me enjoy the rest of this. It's because he said it was when we when we were taking goats out back to sacrifice That's them. He said, right. "I thought this isn't normal, mm. <laughs> and I'm I've had enough." That's yeah. the one of the best lines of the film, isn't it? Something like mm, I've got the line somewhere. You'll do anything if your family says it's okay. Sure, I mean that's, that's the crux brilliant. of the movie. Yeah, because it is true, and we have some sort of innocent children in this film who are starting to yeah. do it. And it's because, yeah, guess what? You, you If you know no different, you yeah. will accept this. Yeah, yeah it's the normalising of stuff. Normalise, exactly. Uh, and we meet some of the other characters, including uh, uh, cousin uh, Fitch. And <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> Fitch is funny. Yeah. And his wife, Emily. Yeah. 
Coked up Emily is what <laughs> she will be called for the rest of this because uh, she is as coked up, if not more, than Scarface in this film. Yeah. It is phenomenal. I love the bit where um, Grace like touches her nose because she's in, she's checking. like She's just met Emily for the first time and so she just does that nervous thing where you sort of touch your nose just to make sure. And then Emily just like swipes her own nose because she's read the code of like, yep. you've got something on your nose because she's like, oh, I must have a, a nose full of coke. And it's just like battering her face. <laughs> it's good. Did you like... Did you work with Alexa Chung? I feel like you'd worked yes. with her. Yeah. They based her appearance, her look on Alexa Chung, the way she dresses. Ah. They thought she would be sort of festival chic kind of thing. Yeah, I can see that. A lot of thought went into the costumes in this film. Um, and uh, I'll get on to some of those. So, uh, Grace is taken to the games room and it's filled with weapons and animal trophies. And um, they explain how they got their riches. It was through games and then sporting goods and sport teams, and it's built and built. And they have this discussion while they're passing around the Hellraiser puzzle box, <laughs> uh, which we discussed on a previous alternate Aww. Halloween, uh, Halloween Valentine's episode. Nice. <laughs> um, and, and the dad explains it wasn't just luck. It's almost as if someone was watching over us. And he tells the story of where their great grandfather met a generous benefactor called Mr. LaBelle on a boat and the uh, LaBelle said if great-grandfather could solve the mystery of the box before arriving in port um, LaBelle would fund any endeavour for him and so you place a blank card in the box and initiate by drawing the card and the benefactor will tell them which game to play that was the idea back then we know that she doesn't want to get a certain card that's what we're told and uh, she pulls out a card it says hide and seek and everything stops around the table so, so is, are the rules of the box because doesn't Fitch say like oh I got I had to play chess or someone says I had to play yes. chess I had to play whatever but is it murderous chess or just normal no, chess no hide okay. and seek is the only game I see which yep. is which is kind of a bit weird um, yeah. as a system it's like all the other games are normal but hide and seek I've chosen to be the one where yeah. people die and it hasn't happened since Aunt Helene's husband yes correct okay and I, I'm reading between the lines here because I don't think they explain it right but I feel like every other time it's happened where it's been a normal game I think they then go and sacrifice a goat Oh, I see. I think, because yeah. otherwise I don't really understand where the goat thing comes in. So you hide and seek, you sacrifice a human, uh, you play the game, sacrifice a human, and any other game, you play the game and you, you sacrifice right. a goat. That's my thinking. That so, makes sense, because like you say, the goat thing isn't really explained. No. <laughs> so uh, she's got to a count of 100 and she has until dawn to stay hidden, but they bury the lead, which is that they're going to try and kill her. <laughs> Would you sacrifice a goat if it uh, if you were required? If it gave you a lot of money... Oh, I think it'd be very hypocritical of me to say no, because I would eat goat right. if I was in a restaurant uh, or at a, perhaps a meat market. From looking in the pit, though, in the uh, stable, the goats aren't eaten. It's like they just like have their throats cut and then chucked in a pit. So would I kill a goat just for not to eat it, is what you're asking me? For what amount of money, I'm, I guess, is the real question. Oh, interesting. Uh, the answer is yes, I would. Right, put a figure on it, though. Um, just for all our goat fans out there. Definitely like. a knot. Um <laughs> <laughs> But five pounds, I guess. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't fucking know. You, I go, what are you saying? You're such a great dude because you wouldn't do it for any I, amount of money. Right. You are a great dude. <laughs> Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, this really wasn't around me. I'm just interested to know. I mean, obviously, the domasters are doing it uh, because it's given them extre- I'll tell you what, extreme I do, wealth. I don't I just, know if I could kill a goat. I like goats a lot. They're, they're really cute. I'm a hypocrite. Really? I, would eat I think they're so cute. Yeah. Yeah, really those like eyes. Goats. Yeah, I like it. Have you seen the witch, Black Phillip? <laughs> Black Phillip. <laughs> yeah. Do you not? Do you not want to live deliciously? But um, the, Sorry, I, fed a, I fed a baby goat. I went to this thing with a kid. You fed a baby goat to what? No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Only Vicky would say, I fed a baby goat, and the natural answer is, but to what, though? <laughs> they are so cute. Said it. They are cute. But hand on heart, if I had to, if I had to kill my own meat to eat it, I would obviously never eat a cow again. I would never eat a lamb, obviously, mm. which I don't eat very much red meat anyway, just a little bit of virtue signaling through there. But I would kill a chicken. Because I just don't, chickens just seems not as... It's weird, isn't it? A lot yeah. of people have that. A lot of people go, listen, I don't... I don't I, want to. They all, how would you do it? Would you strangle it? If there was, I would rather chop its head off yes. with a cleaver. Mm. But yeah, if you had to twist it, yeah, I okay. would do that. I don't want to do that. So happy, not getting enough of my happy, birthday. No, no. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. <laughs> Here's a funny thing, though. Because often people prefix the statement uh, by chicken with... I don't eat meat, yeah. but I eat chicken. Yeah. As though, as though chicken is... It's not meat. It's not meat. It's sort yeah. of, they're a bit stupid, you know, yeah, so fuck them. I know, I know, I know. It's awful, isn't it? There we are. And on that completely irrelevant <laughs> note, let's take a break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Join me, Pete Donaldson, and YouTuber Chris Broad as we offer you a taste of life in the most exciting country in the world on our podcast, Abroad in Japan. Whether it's crazy bars, unique vending machines, or tips for learning Japanese, we cover it all. Recently, we even heard a particularly unique chat-up line. While we were chatting, a local Japanese guy in his early 30s made his way over to me and started chatting in broken English. Ooh. Our chat about general stuff was going all right before he proudly announced, I like big girls. To me, wow. <laughs> to me, with a wink. Truly flattering, <laughs> flirting right there. Search Abroad in Japan wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. Abroad in Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
and we're oh, back. I'm vegan. I don't <laughs> no, eat anything. That's not what I was doing. I was just a random question about like meat eating for a second. <laughs> you just started, also not because I'm vegan. You so. literally just said no, you did start it, Vicky. Yeah, <laughs> I was asking whether you'd uh, you know kill a goat for some cash. <laughs> that's an entirely different conversation. So the Ladoma uh, is how much would I have to give you to punch a goat at a petting zoo? <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Excuse me, kids. Vicky's coming through. Excuse Got me, a crisp kids. five pounds in my hand. <laughs> there you go. Don't make me go. So Grace is slightly tipsy and she's having a right laugh uh, trying to find somewhere to hide. Um, while the family arm themselves with great-grandfather's weapons. There's a battle axe. There's a medieval crossbow. There's a six-shooter. There's a bow and arrow. There's a Winchester rifle. Most of these are weapons they don't know how to use. <laughs> uh, but the only thing they agree to do is they promise to turn the security cameras off so it's fair for Grace. Hmm. And then we're into hide-and-seek. Uh, she hides in the dumb waiter to begin with, uh, but not for long because Alex starting to feel guilty here. We're, so, we, we're not really sure where Alex is coming from, but it seems like he wants to save her and yeah. protect her. So Alex grabs her and helps her hide. Um, and then the maid, Clara, gets shot in the face by coked up Emily. Uh, Emily kills most of the people in this film. I, don't, I think Grace only kills one person, in fact. Uh, but she's got better kills coming up. Um, so Aunt Helene explains it has to be the bride for the ritual. So uh, we're getting more a sense of this because um, Grace and Alex hide in the bedroom. And while they, they drag the body of uh, the maid, Clara, in and we hear this is when Grace finds out what's going on. She's lying there in silence while she gets a sense of the truth, which is they are trying to kill her. But the best thing about this scene, in my opinion, is the fact that her face, uh, Grace's face, is so distraught at this. And it's not just because they're going to kill her and she's going to be hunted. It's the fact that she's talked about how all she's ever wanted is a family and she's finally got that. And this family that she's never had as an orphan, that she's finally just like, I've got a family now, are trying to kill her. Yeah. Mm. It's that. And it's that's a double it's a double whammy. Yeah, and that's yeah. why her like how distraught she is is like really effective. Yeah. Uh before they leave the room, Emily takes a huge bump of cocaine, a really big one. <laughs> it's all over her face. Uh and Grace gets into her converse to avoid the Jurassic World problem of a woman running around in high heels. Oh, God, <laughs> that, scene. that scene. It sticks with me. So those converse are called Chuck Taylors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to make them in yellow. They don't anymore, so they had to buy uh, white converse and paint them because they wanted the blood on the yellow. So uh, Grace wants answers from Alex, understandably. Uh, he says, you pulled the one bad card. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um, the best and- line here is where he goes, you wanted to get married. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, so it's my fucking fault. <laughs> yeah, we, we jumped through a lot of hoops, I think, in this scene to try and explain it all about how he, he had to play along and he had to lie to her. And as I say, he, why they couldn't elope and that she would have left him if he hadn't said yes to her marrying him. And so it's her fault, as you say. And so, yeah, it's it's tricky because he could have told her the truth and he chose not to. Let's do it in the bits. What? This bit, this conversation about this conversation okay. because I really think it's a major problem with this whole film. This conversation is where it begins. Okay. So uh, she rips her dress. She's going into combat mode. Uh, they ended up using 17 versions of her dress. Uh, and it's a metaphor for the movie. It starts sort of grand and classical and then degrades and degrades and degrades until... 
it's disgusting and horrible. Uh, she gets a choice between two doors she can go through. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, she picks the wrong door. She walks in on the whole family. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, coat up Emily messes up, fires at nothing. Grace gets away and hides in the snooker room uh, where Daniel finds her. Older brother Daniel. And he doesn't want to be the one to kill her. He starts helping her. He gives her a 10 second head start, he mm. says. Uh, we then learn that Charity, Daniel's wife, she was told in advance here. Um, we get the sense that uh, she was given the choice to marry into the family and she couldn't wait to sign her life away. She wanted all of it, she said. And so this is the other way that Alex could have gone with Grace. He could have done this and told her and she would have stayed or went. Charity Charity stayed. We learned that Charity was very poor and I think, you know, uh, Grace is an orphan. Charity came from this background that maybe she doesn't have family mm. and I think they're picking people that wouldn't be noticed if they disappeared, mm-hmm. I think is the idea. Mm. Um, so, uh, Coked Up Emily accidentally shoots another maid in the mouth <laughs> in the stuka room. Uh, why does this always happen to me? She wails <laughs> after she's killed the woman. It's, it's kind of weird, isn't it, that you've got this large family... And yet the film doesn't kill any of them. It just it kills the the the, the staff. Agreed. Uh, which you understand why it's doing it, because you want the whole family there at the end to pay the ultimate price. Mm-hmm. So you can't kill them off. But it does sort of spoil it a bit because you sort of want it to, you know, you, you want uh, you want Grace to maybe take out like the the. the Emily's husband or something, mm. one of the lesser yeah. family said, members. She hardly takes out anyone no. until the end they, of the film. They got into too much trouble, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, to like take it out of the family because the there's the thing with the butler mm. and Grace. He gets loads of screen time. And he, Low, he, he's too get, much. Yeah, and he's not part of the family because obviously because he's propelling the narrative and chasing Grace and Hunter, he's going to die. So it was like they really didn't want the family. Why not make that character one of the family? Mm-hmm. Because he's butlering and doing whatever, but most of the time he's chasing Grace around. Well, what are the maids and is Stevens uh, the real villains of this film? Because they're not going to die at dawn. Uh, They're not part of this rich family. I'm sure they're getting paid well, but the maids aren't doing anything and he's actively trying to kill her. And this isn't his issue. This isn't his problem. This isn't his curse. And so I think Stevens is worse than, than the family themselves. He's doing this out of choice. They He's don't, just they, being a good butler. They think they don't have a choice. Uh, that servant takes a while to die, so Aunt, Alan, Aunt Elaine takes an axe to her. Uh, they decide to turn the cameras on at this point um, because they don't want it to be that fair. And Grace uh, tools up with a shotgun and some shells and sees herself in the mirror and says, Jesus. Uh, she gets stuck in the kitchen counter behind Stevens, who's in there making tea. And that actor, John Ralston, I think he's really enjoying himself here singing his opera. Yeah. Uh, the tension low... Uh, uh, sort of raises as, as she loads the gun while he sings and then takes aim and the ammunition was for display only so she can't shoot him but she burns him with hot water and he comes at her with a knife and she runs upstairs meanwhile uh, her husband Alex smashes the CCTV up and strangles his dad and then he gets knocked out and handcuffed to the bed which is quite interesting we think this guy might be the hero no, I or on her side maybe you're going to cover it because you were talking about the scene where Grace and Alex are mm. explaining to each other like what, how they've got here but because we are told in this scene that Alex is special and because I'm not quite buying this like, well, I, you know, I, we, could, we couldn't elope and whatever, it set me up to a, for a really different ending. And because he does nearly kill his dad in a very old school way, like with his hands and he's really angry, I was like, oh, that's unusual, like this rage against your dad. And it all fell into place to lead to an ending that then didn't happen for me, which is a much bigger 
ending than the one we've got. And are you going to tell us what you thought that ending was going to be now or at the end? It's up to you. It's up to you. What do you think? I think, do I, I think, do you know, I don't know. <laughs> Just how are you feeling? I think I'll, I think I'll wait. You want to wait? Yeah, I'll wait. Oh, you wait. Yeah, I'll All wait. right. She's going to wait, Chris. Thank it's you. an unexpected decision, though, to handcuff the husband to the bed for most of the rest of the movie now. And yeah. so Daniel becomes the character that we thought Alex was going to be, mm. effectively helping her. But you knew that because of the casting. Sorry, it gives it away a little bit. Like, Adam Brody is more recognisable at this point than whoever is playing Alex. So it's like, I wasn't surprised that the husband ends up chained to the bed. Oh, I didn't think about that for a second. But um, Grace finds the final maid in the dumb waiter. Okay. <laughs> no, do you, I mean, do, do you genuinely think that? God, I don't have a brother or a dad, but I don't need a brother or a dad because I've got you. <laughs> you, genu- you genuinely think that? <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking or not sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you okay? <laughs> I'm just not used to it. I'm not used to it. So we say Adam Brody's a big star. Okay. Oh my god, you did it again! I'm just trying to get to the heart of what you mean because I've, I've clearly touched the nerve. No, you have, but you, I don't think you meant to, which is the most depressing bit about the whole thing. I, yeah, all right, yeah. I think Adam Brody's a bigger cast than I don't even know his name. Whoever plays Alex, Marco Brody. Okay, right. agree to disagree. <laughs> Back to the film. Uh, Grace yeah. finds the final maid in a dumb waiter, and the maid gives her up, oh, and yeah. then gets crushed yep. to death. Um, and then we who get is some... it who presses the button? It is the maid trying to climb out. Yeah, of the yeah, dumb yeah. She does Grace it to herself. Kill anyone, yeah, like. yeah. Uh, and then there's something I always like in films like this: the villain underestimating the hero, and then realizing the gravity of the situation. So Dad says, "Christ, she's taking us all out. She's a little blonde twig." <laughs> um, and we get the Aunt Helene reveal now. So um, she says she shouldn't have fought it that night. She should have killed her husband herself. And it, it, we kind of see that I feel like this has sent her mad. Mm. Um, but it gives a sense of who she is and maybe why she's so angry and vindictive. Is it that it sent her mad or it sent her back into the family's arms in a big way? Like mm. she is the, 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 the I wasn't sure. flag bearer, the standard bearer for this way of living as this family. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I assume that. You know, she'd had an epiphany that night. But then again, then again, she's the one who goes, Alex is the only one who's seen Mr. LaBelle in the I, chair. I didn't understand that. No, I didn't either. <laughs> there are a few gaps like that in this. It's this idea that I think it's supposed to, I think they're supposed to be foreshadowing of the end where Alex turns out to choose the family over his wife, Grace. Mm. And it's just sort of going, it's basically going, well, if, it's made to make us think, oh, well, if he saw Mr. LaBelle, he can't be a good one or something. I don't know. I'll tell you That's what. That's all I can think it was. Let me tell you what I thought the ending was going to be because it links to that. Because Alex is special, because he's been out of the family, because Aunt Helene is like, he's kind of marked for greatness. I thought Alex's whole ruse here was he's picking a woman to marry to see if she can be by his side as he takes over the family business and gets rid of his family. So he betrays his family, he plays the game, but he helps Grace to live, but somehow like inveigles her into this thing, which is like, we can take over the whole world, we get rid of everyone, we get, definitely get rid of my mum, and we'll do it side by side and all the rest of it, because I am special mm. and I've seen the devil, so I'm the natural leader of this family and I'm going to get rid of my dad. So that's interesting. So weirdly, the first time I watched it and when the reveal is made or not the reveal, when Alex decides I'm with the family, I'm against Grace and um, is about to kill her. I thought that had been foreshadowed throughout and I was looking mm. for something bigger. It gets bigger. said here. It gets said here. But I don't Aunt think Helene I... says she believes Alex will make <clears throat> the same decision that she wished she'd made. 
and he'll be the one to lead the family. But I think what Vicky's saying is that all along he'd been planning a, a, a ruse whereby he was playing a game. Like he had a sorry, he had a plan for the whole film. And I don't think he no, does. No, he flip flops all the way through the film. Yeah. But I don't think he does at all. I think he is very much on the side of grace mm-hmm. throughout this movie until he sees her cave his mum's head in with the puzzle box and simultaneously Grace basically lets him know that she is fucking off after this no matter yeah, what. And, yeah. and I think he thinks that she's killed her brother as well because she doesn't see he doesn't see that happen True. he just sees the aftermath mm. and so but you know what I think if she's killed his brother and his mum I think he's still into her I think it's the fact that she's not into him that's what that's what makes him give her up I think he would still be with her you see I, that's this is one of the problems I have with it I think you can't have both I think in the writing of this, I think I don't think it's right to have both because one dilutes the other. It should be, it'd be much cleaner if Alex saw her kill his brother and his mum and that was enough. Or it was the fact that she was going to leave after this. Uh, but one, but both, it's like, you. As the, I was certainly going, well, which one is it? Well, I like the ambiguity and I also, we'll get to it in a bit, but his mum, even where everything he's doing makes you think that he is... Uh, is siding with Grace. Mum says, I know he's going to end up with us, siding with us. Mm. So she knows. So they're all confident. They know what he's going to ultimately decide. Mm. It's just Alex that, who doesn't. Uh, but I do find it weird about that he's the one who saw Mr. LeBale in his chair. I mm. didn't, I didn't, I thought that was going to come back later in the film. Yeah. And I don't feel like it does. Especially because Grace sees him too. So they both, to me, marked out as special. Right. So it was meant to be this thing. She, she finally gets the upper hand because. It, this isn't in the film, but Alex's plan was find a woman who's my equal, get rid of the whole family, we do it together. And she is that person, but then she wins because she gets rid of everyone, including Alex. And so then she gets to inherit the the riches that will be like in the future because she could see the man in the chair as well. But I'm not sure that that's there. No. So at the end of the movie... And he's going to die though, isn't he? If if she succeed, if they succeed, he's going to die. Mr. LaBelle. Uh, uh, Alex. But I thought because he was special, it might not. Right. His, his, his but you see, special. this is what I'm saying. This is a problem with the film. This yeah. is a problem that there are. It, it's ambiguity is one thing, but I think it's it's more confusing than it needs to be. Huh. Okay. So uh, Grace gets out. Uh, she makes it out into the garden and she finds kids in the barn who shoot her in the hand. <laughs> she punches a kid in the face. Great. She does, and it's good. Mm. They're little shit. <laughs> so it's it's. I mean, it's not funny, but it is horrendous. But you can understand why she reacts in that way. Yeah, and we know what these kids are going to grow up to be. Yeah, we know who they're going to be. So um, we also need to see that for when they explode later. (laughs) Uh, The sacrificial goat comes at her, and she falls into the goat skeleton pit and pukes. Yuck! She climbs out of there, and uh, they show us the nail before she sees the nail. Mm. Uh, I thought it was going to go worse than it does. I do through the hole. I thought, and then drag right like through the hand. I know. I thought she was going to be climbing up, climbing up, and it's sort of it's a it's a joke, really, that it goes through the hole. Yeah. But it doesn't actually really cause her that much pain because yeah. there's a hole already there. Yeah. I thought she was going to lose her grip with the other hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And be hanging through the full off the nail, the yeah. full weight on the nail through yeah. the hole. That's what I thought. Yeah. It's still horrible. Uh, watching it, uh, the commentary. It's the directors with Samara weaving, and it was quite funny listening to her watch that scene. Uh, she couldn't watch it even then. She's telling them, tell me when it's finished. She does good screaming. It's happening to you. <laughs> really good screaming. She didn't mind being covered in the blood, though, because it was uh, caramel, caramel syrup dyed red, and she described it as 
Delicious. So that's how she cleaned the dress at the end of the day. <laughs> Don't worry, Stop. wardrobe, I've got this. That's why they went through ten of them. She sucked it dry. <laughs> uh, she wraps her hand and gets out. Uh, cars ignore her and she loses her shit on the road. What the, what the fuck is wrong with you fucking rich people? Uh, she says worse than that, but I won't say it now. Uh, we learn that... Uh, we're starting to suspect or they're starting to tell us that this curse is real because we hear about the Van Dorns who died in a house fire and Dad says, no, you don't want to know the truth. So um, obviously the question mark all the way through the film is, is this curse real or not? Yeah. Certainly I flip-flopped when I was watching it. I kept thinking it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't. I just mm. wondered how they knew it was real because Aunt Helene's husband, they fulfil the ritual. So they're not going to, they're not under threat. So Aunt Helene's husband is the last time it happened in their living memory, I think. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened because they did what they were supposed yeah. to. So then I just got confused because I didn't... The thing about making a pact with the devil on this boat, I didn't realise the devil's off making pacts with lots of people. And so when they mentioned another family, I was like, oh, is that just someone you knew or is that a cousin I that it happened it's to? it's the cousins. They're related. Oh, okay. They're all part of the same oh, bloodline. Okay. All right, that makes more sense. Mm. Uh, Daniel is sort of seeing the light here. He says we all deserve to die. Um, he can sort of see where, when he finds out that the kids are already getting involved at that age. I think he's he's seeing it happen to the next generation and he's sort of out of it. Whereas mum, Emily, doesn't feel the same. Sweetie, I'm so proud, she says. Yeah. Um, so Stevens, he drives at Grace and they have a fight on the lawn. She strangles him with her wedding dress and now she has a car. She tries to make a call, but trips, trip safe does not help her. That's very funny. Mm. That is very funny. funny. It's mm. a funny actor called Nat Faxon. He's uh, really who's good. Who's doing the voice and he nails it. Interesting, he's not just an actor. He won an Oscar for co-writing The Descendants, the oh. Clooney film. Yeah, he's oh. a talented, talented bloke. It's really good when he does the sign-off because she calls him an arsehole or something. He's like, okay, thank you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so good. Very good. So real. <laughs> um, and as uh, the car was reported stolen, uh, he shuts the car down and she's trapped inside and Stevens appears a bit like the Terminator. Mm. <laughs> um... <laughs> He's in the car now and he's listening to the 1812 Overture while talking to the family on a camera phone. Yeah. Which means that the family can all see him getting the shit kicked out of him and the car crashing in slow motion. Uh, And so they and we see it before uh, he knows. she escapes the car, but Daniel's there. Daniel, who we believe is turned. Um, Daniel, who's saying no one is going to die. It's bullshit. And then Daniel, who then says, I can't let my entire family die and cracks her in the face. Mm. Didn't see that coming. Um, and they've got less than an hour until dawn and still have to prepare for the ritual. Uh, this is their all is lost moment. Um, so uh, mum wants to know why Alex left the family. This is when he explains that it's um, he was slicing a goat one night mm. and he was scared that it felt so normal. Um, he says he chooses Grace over the family. There's some tears. And this is when the moment when mum doesn't believe him. Because I thought I wanted more of this, right? So and, mm. I, and it's unfair because it isn't Get Out, which obviously has got social commentary. But you could do, they're very the filmmakers are super chuffed with themselves that they've got the image of a bride in what was a pristine, beautiful dress with a, a shotgun and shots, and they're super pleased with themselves. A little bit too pleased with themselves with that image. But if you're going to be pleased with yourself with the image, that's fair enough because it inverts lots of expectations about a bride and marriage. And when Andy McDowell is talking to Samara Weaving in this scene, it's, it's basically saying that's my son no one knows you like your mum kind of thing and in the tropes of marriage and which are very old fashioned and traditional you know a man shunts along moves from his mum to another woman in a heterosexual relationship and and so the woman in his life quote marks is replaced and so you get this thing that happens at weddings which would never happen in real life where mums go crazy and start saying to women you look after my boy and because they're sort of being replaced by another woman and I wanted more of that like if you're going to have the bride in the dress with the blood 
can't we do some more skewering of like the mores of a wedding? Because that would be really interesting. And the the things that are expected of you when you enter someone's family and all the rest of it. And there's, there's like hints of it and it's like on the fringes of it, but it's just not enough. And this conversation is it. So I just wanted more of that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're into the ritual now. So they're drinking from a gold cup. They're reciting a satanic mass in Latin. Uh, they renew their pledge and they're about to kill Grace when they all start coughing up blood because Daniel's poisoned the drink. Mm. Um, uh, as he knew at some point he had to burn it all down and he helps Grace escape. Uh, but Daniel's wife, Charity, shoots him in the neck. Uh, Grace smacks her with a gun. Alex bakes free in time to see Daniel as he dies, but Grace isn't there and he doesn't realise Charity's done it. So as I say, I think he thinks that yeah. Grace has killed his brother. He definitely does, yeah. Uh, Dad finds Grace. Uh, he calls her just another goat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grace knocks him out with a lantern and then throws it on the floor which starts the fire and then mum fires an arrow at her and misses uh, strangles her but Grace beats her to death with the box because this to me a mirror of Alex's rage earlier he strangles his dad and it seems to come out of nowhere so then when Grace was doing it to the mum I was like oh this is a thing where you two are the same and that's why you married each other and that's why you've fallen for each other because on some level you recognise this in each other and there's going to be this brilliant reveal at the end where you are like king and queen of whatever <laughs> do you know what I mean I'd prefer that ending I think yeah so and I so I guess this is the only time Grace kills someone is mm-hmm. when she beats him to her to death with the box yes. so the only person she kills is the mum that and she, she's and she does overkill which mm. is a thing mm. and because she doesn't need to do it as much as she does mm. and has Andy McDowell done that much to her personally? Not I really. feel like it's that build-up, though. This yeah. is this is the everything that's happened to her on the night coming out in one moment where yeah. she's just sort of an, she's an animal and she becomes a bit more animalistic as uh, this stuff progresses because um, Alex finds her standing over his dead mother. Um, uh, they apologise to each other, but he says the key line: "You won't be with me after this, will you?" Um, and she doesn't respond. So he knows what the answer is and he grabs her and gives her up uh, for the surviving family to come get her. And they start the ritual for real now. Uh, Alex plunges the knife, but just in time she escapes. And this is when this animal comes out in her. She starts screaming like a like a wild animal. Uh, the sun has risen and then it all gets quite dramatic. Helene starts screaming, it, it is lost, forgive us. Um, and they're acting like they'll burn up like a vampire in, in sunlight. But yeah. then nothing happens. I think they have their cake and eat it here in terms of, making you think it's going to happen and then not going to happen. They actually uh, use that term. <laughs> they, yeah. they say, we, we, we wanted to have our cake and eat it, yeah. Because uh, the tables keep turning uh, and so they've survived. And so Fitch uh, says, what should we do about her? Uh, the aunt, Helene, goes for her. She's going to kill her. And then she explodes, uh, followed by the rest of them. It's two minutes of spontaneous combustion, uh, which they did using meat cannons and meat oh rifles. Oh my God, I'm so glad you mentioned them. <laughs> Can you imagine working on a film set and going, what's that then? That's a meat cannon. <laughs> but the meat cannon was used when um, Emily and her two sons ran out of the room to launch gore back through the door. Uh, and the meat okay. rifle yep. was used to fire gore onto the faces of people as others around them oh, exploded. Okay. Apparently, um, uh, the guy who plays Fitch uh, was like, can I get it in my mouth? 
to yeah, the yeah. stunt coordinator and the stunt coordinator... As went, a request? Or it, as well, that's a, what the, <laughs> stunt, the stunt coordinator was like, oh, don't worry, it's not toxic. And he was like, no, 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 I want you to fire it in my mouth so I can <laughs> lick it off my lips because that's what I want to do for the piece. Well, yeah, it's more that he pulls a chunk out of his mouth. Mm. So he's pulled a chunk of his family out of it and that's what he wanted to do. And, yeah, I mean, the, the behind the scenes is very funny shooting this scene. Yeah. Like, they were properly having a right laugh <laughs> doing this. So everyone dies around her and Grace starts laughing. Uh, that's something that Samara Weaving improvised on the day. They'd not written her become hysterical. Uh, they said they wish they had written it though because it's a great character <laughs> moment. Um, Alex is the last left. Don't leave me, honey. I'm really sorry. <laughs> she throws his ring back at him and says, I want a divorce. And then he explodes. Question. Consider that a divorce. <laughs> is that... All right, never mind. We'll do it in the bits. Well, your bits are going to be very long, Alex. No, not really. They're not. We've covered a lot. Uh, and then the place burns down. Love me tender plays as Grace picks up the cigarette case and walks away from the house covered in blood. Uh, she has a smoke and she's asked, Jesus Christ, what happened to you? And she says, in-laws. So in terms of that last line, uh, Gillette said, um, we really did want the audience to feel at the end that while she's been through hell, that it hasn't driven her crazy. It hasn't broken her. And we hope that the final line, uh, there's enough self-awareness in it and it's not coming from somebody who's irrationally broken by this experience. She's made it out and she has perspective. She's going to be OK. We talked a lot about that last line, like how can we do it in as an economic a way as possible? Um, ultimately, that final line, we think, does it pretty damn well. I agree with you. I thought I didn't think it was the best last line. But I do see what they're saying there in mm. terms of she's got a sense of humour. This hasn't broken. Yeah. Um, yeah. I sort of, I, I, I heard it and I went, oh, I didn't like that. And then I was trying to think, actually, what would you put there? Weddings, maybe? Uh, I, I don't The problem is, if you go, that's not good, you should have something in your head to do it better but I still don't like it. I don't have anything better. But I don't. I don't love it. I just. It, it feels just a bit twee. A little bit like. Yeah, I sort of felt you were going to say that. You know what you were saying earlier about do something unexpected in a scene, mm. and I felt like that was. It feels like such an obvious way to go. You just thought after everything that had gone before, after a family exploding, mm. which was so unexpected, there'd be something a little bit different at the end. I felt deflated, but I tell you that one. I've come back round to it because me too. Yeah, she. It's important to me, and I might be misreading it, that she considers herself to actually have been married because if. But so if she said, you know, what I don't know those people or blah 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 or whatever, because she calls them her in-laws. She only got married in the morning, but she considers that marriage to be real, which means she inherits everything. So that's why I thought that was important. Because but she's just said, I want a divorce. If she's, but he's exploded, right. so that's fine. That's not going to happen. So if she says to the police officer, they're my in-laws, it's her brain going, if I don't say I, I, this marriage was you know, null and void kind of thing, I'll inherit this beautiful house and all the rest of it. So it made sense for me on that level. Mm. Uh, as Alex alluded to earlier, the original version of the script, the one originally written, Grace dies at the end. No. Yeah. And it was the Radio Silence guys who convinced them to change it, they said, this is a romp. Yeah. It is. And she should survive. And so uh, they wrote a 12-page alternative ending where this was in those 12 pages and then they paired it back. And I'm wondering if that was that 10 pages, basically, that had to go missing. Mm -hmm. And so they paired it, paired it back. It was in there, but it was most of it was removed. And what you end up seeing on screen is, is what they came up with. Um, 
we talked about this on Monday and uh, same question got asked to Beltellini Ulpin about what happens to her after this. Mm, okay. He said we've talked about a lot of it in terms of various things and they compare it to Terminator 2. They think that it'll be like Sarah Connor for Grace in that no one will believe her and she'll be in big trouble for this. Oh. And that's all they said. Uh, so although things might not work out for Grace, it did work out for these filmmakers because they all went on to make the new Scream movie together. Yeah. And that's been a big success. It has, hasn't it? Yep. Big. I haven't seen it yet. But no, I haven't either. Oh, good thing. So yeah, that is Ready or Not. Ready or Not for the bits? Sure. Yeah. What's your favourite scene, Vicky? The exploding family. Yes. It's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be this person because I am. I wish exploding could somehow be made to link thematically to hide and seek, but it can't, but it's still brilliant. Like, I just wish there was a thing that happened to you in hide and seek that you could do, but mm. there isn't, is there? So you no, just get no. found and that's not the same thing. So There's very few games where you explode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the exploding. Okay, uh, Alex. Exploding families. Okay. <laughs> Love it. It's brilliant. And just the, I mean, obviously they've used some uh, computer effects <laughs> to create that sort of really gloopy blood. I just love the thickness of the blood. It looks a lot like what I imagine blood exploding out of a human would look like. Let's hope you never find out. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for that. That's yeah. important, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Worth saying. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the exploding is the best scene, but I'm going to say something different for the sake of it. Uh, I'm going to have the maid taking the arrow to the mouth from Emily <laughs> and then her saying, why does this always happen to me? <laughs> I love coked up Emily. Uh, who is your most valuable whatever, Alex? Uh, I kind of want to say Adam Brody because, like I said, I love Adam Brody. I do love him, but I'm not saying Adam Brody. No. Um, it's Samara Weaving. I think she's so good. I really, mm. I, I think... You know, you just watch it and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that could be, you know, not that it could be anyone, but the, the the role itself is immediately sympathetic. So you'd sort of buy into that journey for anyone. But I don't think that's true. I think it would it takes it takes her performance to really make you go, I'm, I want you to win, which is why it's insane that they ever considered killing her at the end because mm. you were rooting for her more than just that character. It's because of her performance. She sells so much of it, doesn't she? In terms of she, you believe her as the excited bride. You know, you're sort of with her when she thinks this is still a joke and she's a bit drunk and she's having fun and you've just, I think your heart goes out to her. And then she's totally believable as being a Sarah Connor kind of person. Yeah. It's either that or uh, the writers, uh, Guy Bush, um, Busick or Ryan Christopher and Ryan Christopher um, Moroey. Moroey. Murphy. I just wrote down O instead of P. Ryan Christopher Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's one of those days. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I just love the fact it's one of those things where you're a little bit jealous. <laughs> That's really correct. Sorry, I, obviously that is unfair of me to laugh like that, but it's because it's the fact that it took me so long. Yeah, it's, it's like because obviously I I know what it says, but I'm sitting here looking again. Just read it. You've done a fucking Anchorman again. Marowi. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Guy Busick and Ryan Christopher Marowi. Uh, <laughs> I just for coming up with such an ingenious one-line pitch that is obviously fucking great. Jealous, yeah. Vicky. Uh, Samara weaving for all the reasons that Alex said, and no, no different reasons. Just okay. those reasons. I'm going to try and be different again then because it is Samara weaving. But yeah. I'm going to say both the character Emily, coked up Emily, and Melanie Scrafano who plays her. I think she's a brilliant character, and that actress just absolutely nails it. 
Mm. Uh, would you change anything, Vicky? What would you change? This is what I would change. So uh, Grace is was raised in foster care, and that's why she needs a family, and that that's good. That makes sense to me. Is there a way to show her like foster care skills later on? So there's a manipulation that the family try to get her back in the fold. So basically, her experience of ra- being raised in foster care, possibly some trauma, possibly some neediness, possibly some benefits, something, something, something she uses at some point on the family so that the foster care serves the dual purpose of making her sort of pliable to this ruse, which is she wants a family and that's why she wouldn't challenge Alex on anything, but also gives her a special skill that they could never have known about in order to win the day. That's it. What would that skill be? I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? It It would be something to do with emotional manipulation. Mm. Like at the very end, they're like... Like like washing up. Like washing up? What? (laughs) If I had foster kids, I'd be like one thing that all kids do. When they're up. here, really. <laughs> if you want me to love you and, and get the attention that you need, you so desperately need so, and deserve. So, uh, officer, do I get them? <laughs> so, this is how it Have works, I passed yeah. the test? Yeah. They, they live in my house and then you don't check, <laughs> I guess. Can I dress them up in little uniforms? <laughs> but, you know, it would be to right towards the end, they know they've been bested and they try and get her back into the fold by being like, we're actually a nice family. We can give you everything. We love you. Blah, blah, blah. You're special. Blah, blah, blah. And they offer her emotionally those gifts that she maybe feels she didn't have growing up. And then she's like, no, I see through this because foster kids are tough as shit or whatever. Whatever. Oh, she could sing the sun will come out tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She could do, a, she play, could, do yeah. a play on, please, sir, can I have some more? But it's... <laughs> Please, sir, can I have some gore? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's why they paid you all that money. Alex, mm. change. Consider yourself at my home because you're all dead. It's another. Alex, Alex please change. The <laughs> artful Dodger saying that. No. I mean, he might be an orphan too. I don't remember. Never seen Oliver. We've been here an hour. Come on. Right. Uh, my change is I just think it needs some definite rules. I think it, the whole thing would be a lot better if it wasn't so wishy washy. And I think it's intentionally wishy-washy because there is no real reason. But I'm sure they could have come up with one. What the deal is, why he didn't tell her, why he didn't just go, look, this is the deal, like what um, uh, Daniel did with Charity, where he goes, look, this is the deal. You can either play it or not. Just explain that. Or I think just he's say- pretty clear, though, that he he's worried that she would leave him if he did. And so once you're in I it, I, you're I, in it. You it, can't get out of it. But it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. If there is even the slightest chance that your wife might die on her wedding night... You say that beforehand. You don't just sort of... You do, but I don't think this Alex does. He's so frightened of losing her. I think they justify it. Well, then, but then he doesn't have to marry her. He can then tell her... I mean, that's that's a whole other thing to the plot. Exactly, but this is what... He said that he was worried that she would leave him. She she asked him to get married, and he said, I thought if I told you no, you would leave me. But he doesn't have to. Or if she says, I want to get married, he goes, right, but this happens... Is up to you. We can either, because we're in love and marriage doesn't need to happen, you know, they'll still be your family. If if the idea is that she has to marry him so she has a family for the first time, then it's her decision mm. if he's given her all the facts to go through with it. Or she can go, well, look, marriage isn't everything. We're in a relationship. I love you. I don't want to risk my life for marriage, so I'm choosing not to. And the fact that you go through that thought process, which they should have gone through that the film then doesn't really qualify in a definite rules way means that forever you're sort of like, but, but... And even that line at the end where he's like, I want a divorce, and then he dies, it's like... 
Did the divorce kill him? Like, did the fact mm. that she asked for a divorce kill him? Or was he destined to die because he was a member of that family? It's like, because he starts going, it looks like I got a free pass because of you yeah. or something. It's like, it's all so muddled. And therefore, I get annoyed. And therefore, that's what I change. I just qualify everything with some fucking rock hard rules that make you as the audience go, oh, she said I want a divorce. So now he's dead. Not, did that cause that? Yeah. Or was he dead anyway? I agree. You've clocked my one. Uh, already, um, I think they have to send the help away. I think it confuses matters with the butler and the maids. Why are they there? Uh, they become cannon fodder. Um, and if they needed more people to kill, they just could have made the family larger. Yeah. So I think that confused things. And I'm going to do an extra one because I think that it would be funny after you've seen everyone explode and then her walk out and say, in-laws, I think over the cred end credits, you should see the family in happier times at happier weddings. Uh, the previous games they played, pulling out the cards and playing innocent games and laughing while they're playing those <laughs> games. And then it ends with Aunt Helene's husband pulling out hide and seek. Yeah, that's cute. Mm, nice. Nice, nice. Cool. That is it. Great stuff right then. Get out versus ready or not. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Cool. Uh, oh, this is me. Oh, come on, Alex. Yeah. Wake up. Hello. Hello. How does that feel? Oh, no, it's didn't scary. Like. It did not like <laughs> Wake up. I am awake. Kristen, let's go with you first. Sure. I love Ready or Not. I think, as you said, Alex, that premise is inspired. I think it delivers on the promise of the premise. And I think Samara Weaving is a proper horror heroine for the ages but Get Out is a full on masterpiece I think it functions as both an entertaining and terrifying horror film but it also has something to say it actually improves with multiple viewings and it changed the way I look at the world I don't think you can ask for much more than that from a horror movie so my vote obviously goes to Get Out yeah I mean no surprise there didn't you say it was one of the best movies of the last 10 years I think it's one of my favourite I think it's one of my favourite films of all time hmm. okay Victoria? Yeah, I did, I did have a good time in Ready or Not, apart from I was very, very frustrated that they didn't do the ending that I thought of because I think it's better. Um, but also, even if they don't go down that road, there, there are some logic issues and, and things like that. That It's just loose threads. It's not a big deal. It's just little loose threads. And there is nearly some sort of social commentary about the rules of weddings, particularly regarding the dress, you know, how impractical a wedding dress actually is. And what does it say that on your wedding day, being able to like stand up and the shoes as well, you know, she kicks off her shoes, but being able to stand and breathe are less important on your wedding day than looking nice. Mm. Um, and you could do so much with that, which they don't quite do, but it is in that film. But so, yeah, obviously it's going to be Get Out. Um so this is just for, for everything that we've said, but um, Jordan Peele said, there is a heightened awareness that black Americans have developed in looking out for racism and the real horrors we've been subjected to for years. But even if you're not black, it's satisfying to see a movie where somebody at least is aware that this could go into a horror situation. That's, what I f that's my feeling. You just feel it's such a good idea. It does open your eyes as a white person. It's fucking great. It looks amazing. It just does a lot. And it sticks the landing as well. Like I think you, you, when you come up with a brilliant idea that is also social commentary, you risk going either too light on the social commentary because then you haven't really made a, a fiction film or you go too far the other way and you don't do either. But he definitely did both. So that. We have a winner and that winner is Get Out. Uh, just to complete the voting system, uh, I, despite what I just said about uh, Ready or Not um, having some issues with not being clear on the rules. Fucking love that movie so much. It's so much fun. And on any other week, 
I think it would have won against mm. most other films. But, you know, and there was parity because I watched both these movies once before. I watched them both again. And Get Out, I was just way more excited about seeing again than I was ready or not. And I think that's because of the quality of filmmaking involved that even though you know the surprises in both these movies, one of them is still a hugely enjoyable, if not more enjoyable experience watching it a second time, whereas ready or not, second time round just isn't as much fun. So Get Out is my winner. Well, three for three, three for three, two Thank weeks you. in a row. Where it's yeah. three for three. Although, ready or not, is no Godzilla nineteen ninety eight. No, yeah. And I hope you enjoyed that and agreed with us, uh, Sarah in Madrid. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's us done uh, for this week uh, but Clash Potters in Control continues next week and indeed like I said at the start still time to get a suggestion in if you've got a pair of movies you'd like us to clash it show at clashpod.com but Chris gave us a clue on Monday for next week's pairing Chris what was the clue and what the films uh, next week's films will see the pod stock rise stocks Yeah, it's to do with <sighs> stocks and shares it is isn't it yeah <laughs> mm. so Alex yeah you need to go to Disney Plus in the UK because you are doing Wall Street. You're kidding. Is it on Disney Plus? Yes. <laughs> I bought it, didn't I? I bought it on Amazon last night. It was £3.49. Vicky. Yes. You will be going to Netflix if you're in the UK because you're doing The Wolf of Wall Street. I am in the UK, Chris. We're I'll go there. doing Wall Street and The Wolf of Wall Street. Both Wall Street movies. Should you give me £3.49? Should I give you £3.49? Maybe, because yours is for free and mine was for free, but I accidentally... No, just half of it. They're not for free. You pay monthly for these things. Also, no. £1.25. I'm not giving you... I'm never giving you £1.25. That, why was that so definite? <laughs> why was, but never. Never. What if I'm in? I'm, what if I'm in a bind? What do you need? But to get on a bus? Why do you ever need one pound twenty? Why do you ever need one pound twenty five? Just uh, imagine a situation where I have come across. Alex, uh, how much is a pint of milk? I don't drink milk. <laughs> oh, Shit. Exactly. <laughs> baby cow growth fluid oh Jesus mm. sorry <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a Jesus moment that, is, that was in What the Health the Netflix documentary oh is it mm, yeah I, I, I don't agree with that I mean I do because that's what it is yeah. but you know that's I don't have it anyway if you haven't already please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your pods follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod we are doing Wall Street versus the Wolf of Wall Street next week back on Monday talking Wall Street have a great weekend bye bye This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.